from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Folklife Today podcast. I'm Steve Winnick, the editor in the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress and the creator of the Folklife Today blog. And I'm here with John Fenn, the head of research and programs at the center. Hello. You've probably noticed that the holiday season is here. You hear Christmas tunes everywhere this time of year, on the radio, in the mall, in your family's home. I thought we could look into some more unusual traditional Christmas songs. So we had our staff here at the American Folklife Center pick their favorite songs to talk about today. Uh, That said, would you like to start us off? I'd love to. What song did you choose to share with us? Well, I'm a big fan of the Cherry Tree Carol. It's one you hear sung by a lot of people from Joan Baez to Annie Lennox. It tells a story derived from one of the apocryphal Gospels, which came into English in the Middle Ages, both in this ballad and in Christmas mystery plays. Wow. So this is medieval caroling? How did you first hear it? Well, I was a medievalist a long time ago, and I came across the song back when I studied the N-Town plays, which is a set of medieval mystery plays that tell the same story. And I loved it so much in graduate school that I wrote a term paper about the apocryphal Gospels and their influence on folk songs for my professor Don Yoder, who was also a major collection donor to the Library of Congress. And you can read more about Dr. Yoder on the blog, too. Okay, so what's the song about? It joins Joseph and Mary on their journey to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, So they're crossing the desert, and of course, Mary's obviously pregnant, and Joseph is aware that he isn't the father. So when they get to a cherry tree, and she asks him to pick her some cherries, he gets annoyed. Uh Uh-oh. Let's hear a clip, and you'll see what I mean. We'll hear the beginning of Aunt Molly Jackson's version, sung in Kentucky in 1937. Of course, Jackson was known as a labor singer, songwriter, and organizer, but she also recorded a great number of traditional folk songs for Alan Lomax and others. So here she is. Joseph was an old man, an old man was he, when he married Mary in the land of Galilee. As Mary and Joseph walked through the orchard green, where cherries and berries was nice to be seen. Mary spoke to Joseph with a blush and no smile. Gather cherries for me, Joseph, for I am with Gather cherries for me, Joseph. To Joseph, Mary said, For I may injure my baby if I reach o'er my head. Joseph said to Mary, Why do you ask me? Father of your baby, gather cherries for thee. Okay, Joseph's not a happy camper there. No, he's not. And I also love the detail that she might injure her baby by reaching over her head. There's some women's wisdom in there. Traditional folk knowledge. So what happens next? So here's where the supernatural or magical aspect comes in. The baby speaks up from the womb and commands the tree to bow down so his mother can pick the fruit. Let's hear this second part of the ballad sung by Burl Ives. 
Burrell was a friend of Alan Lomax's. He came into the archive starting in the 1930s and also participated in a lot of radio shows with Alan. He donated his guitar to us in the 1980s, and we have it in the reading room. So you're all welcome to come and see it and even play it at the Library of Congress. Here's Burrell singing the second part of the song. Then up spoke the child Jesus Before he was born Bow low down, low down cherry tree Bow down to the ground Bow low down, low down cherry tree Bow down to the ground Then the cherry tree it bowed down It was low on the ground And Mary gathered cherries While Joseph stood around And Mary gathered cherries While Joseph stood around So there is that beautiful imagery of the cherry trees bowing down for Mary. And I love that line, while Joseph stood around. (laughs) I know, that's great. (laughs) So does Joseph ever learn his lesson? Well, kind of. He asks forgiveness in most versions of God rather than Mary, and then he chats with the baby Jesus a little too. All right, let's hear that part. Sure thing. For this part, I selected the version of Jilson Setters, whose real name was James William Day. He was a fiddler and singer who was a recording artist in the 1920s, one of the first generation of what were called hillbilly musicians, what we'd now call old-time musicians. The folklorist Gene Thomas kind of managed him and came up with a whole fictionalized persona loosely based on his real life, but with the pseudonym Jilson Setters. In the later 1930s, Alan Lomax recorded him for the Library of Congress, playing and singing his version of the Cherry Tree Carol. the baby when it will be born and he says the 6th of january not december 25th so that's a great point there are a couple of explanations for why jesus gives the 6th of january as his birthday and what i've heard has to do with the shift from the julian to the gregorian calendar if jesus was born on december 25th of the julian calendar that date would move to january 5th 
for the 18th century and into January 6th for all of the 19th century. And that is a popular theory. But it's also true that January 6th was celebrated as Christmas in some parts of the Christian world before December 25th ever was. So the idea that Jesus was born on January 6th doesn't necessarily come from the calendar shift. In any case, the date was referred to in Appalachia and elsewhere as Old Christmas, and it also coincides with Epiphany, which is also the day the three kings or magi are believed to have visited Jesus. So Cherry Tree Carol is an Old Christmas song? Exactly. And as a song associated with the 6th of January and also with folk drama through the Endtown plays, it has a lot in common with some of the songs Stephanie Hall wrote about on the blog. She's agreed to talk to us about those traditions. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, John and Steve. Thanks for having me. So, Stephanie, which other tradition did you write about? On the blog, I wrote about some of the earliest Christmas songs to make it to the United States, which also come from folk plays. Interesting. So how did they get here? Well, these are songs in the Juan B. Rael collection and were recorded in 1940 in New Mexico and Colorado. The songs are in Spanish and can be traced back to plays that were performed in medieval Spain. And in these plays, the players sang their parts. Spanish colonists were in the New World earlier than English colonists, and it's likely that they had some of these old songs with them. And Steve said that some of these are associated with January 6th? Yes. In many Spanish-American traditions, January 6th is celebrated as the day the three kings visit the baby Jesus. And there was a play about that, which was performed on Epiphany. Juan Rael knew about that, and, and he was looking for this play, but he couldn't find it. And he determined that it hadn't been performed in New Mexico or Colorado for 30 years. And finally, on his last day of recording, which was sometime after August 11, 1940, he came across a 70-year-old singer, Samuel Martinez Ilavadi, who remembered the play and could still sing some of the fragments of its songs. Great. Let's hear some of those fragments from Los Reyes Magos. Alabemos a Jesús con música y alegría que son los altos misterios de Jesús, José y María. De Jesús, José y María. So, as you mentioned, that wasn't the best preserved play in that tradition. Was there another one that remained popular into the 1940s? Yes, one called El Segundo Colloquio de los Pastores. It's the source of several songs in the Juan B. Rael collection. The play is about the shepherds who followed a star to find baby Jesus in the manger. And which of the songs did you choose for the blog? I chose Hermanos Pastores, or Brother Shepherds, because it sets the scene for the play. Great, let's give that a listen. Hermanos pastores, hermanos queridos, vamos transitando por estos caminos, vamos transitando por estos caminos, caminen alegres. Caminando, 
That was Hermanos Pastores, or Brother Shepherds, sung by Adolfo Chavez and Julian Lobato in Antonito, Colorado in 1940. You can hear these songs in their entirety and the entire Juan Rael collection at loc.gov. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I see that our next guest here is Nancy Gross. Nancy, what song did you want to talk about? Well, I brought along There Were Three Pigs Went Out to Dig from the great Kentucky singer Gene Ritchie. I love anything Gene sang. But what was particularly interesting about this song? I think that even though it sounds like a typical rural folk song, it kind of challenges some of the stereotypes about mountain folks. How so? Well, the song has never been collected in America except from Gene, and it was never collected in Britain either except for Marion Mason. Mason was a remarkable woman who was the first woman to be appointed to a senior post in the British Civil Service. Uh, She was an inspector in charge of government foster parent programs. Mason collected songs and nursery rhymes, mostly from her own family, and printed them in an 1877 book called Nursery Rhymes and County Songs. She was friends with the important folklorist Lucy Broadwood, who in turn reprinted this song in some of her books, which became standard folk song books in the early 20th century. Great. Let's hear Jean sing it. There was a pig went out to dig Christmas Day, Christmas Day. There was a pig went out to dig Christmas day in the morning. There was a crow went out to sow Christmas day, Christmas day. There was a crow went out to sow Christmas day in the morning. There was a sparrow went out to harrow Christmas day, Christmas day. There was a sparrow went out to harrow Christmas day in the morning. There was a sheep went out to reap Christmas day, Christmas day. There was a sheep went out to reap on Christmas day in the morning. So it was collected in England by Marianne Mason, and in America, it seems only to have been known by Jean Ritchie's family. So connect those dots for us, Nancy. Well, in her book, Marianne Mason specifically says that there were no set verses to this song except for the first verse. After that, she wrote, rhymes are invented according to the pleasure of the singer. So it was improvised? Well, yes, but all the verses Jean sings were in Mason's book, which doesn't sound much like improvisation to mm. me. It's also interesting that Mason and Broadward spelled Christmas with the second I instead of the T, so it probably sounded Christmas, and that might indicate that it was pronounced that way in Lancashire where Mason heard it. And, of course, it, that's exactly how Jean also pronounces it. So it's sounding like Jean learned it from the book. Maybe, or else she learned it from a family member who learned it from the book. You know, there are stereotypes of mountain people as isolated and illiterate, but in fact, many were literate and often had access to books. 
So when they were visited by folklorists who wanted to hear folk songs, sometimes they obliged by learning songs from their folk song books. Yes, we know that Aunt Molly Jackson, whom we heard earlier, did just that sometimes. And of course, Jilson Setters was heavily managed by Jean Thomas. Exactly. So it was probably brought from England to Kentucky in a book and learned by Jean's family. But I also happen to think it's a really cute song. Indeed. Um, thanks for bringing us that one, Nancy. My pleasure. So now we've come to you, John. What did you pick? I picked an awesome Christmas spiritual called Children Go Where I Send Thee. Let's hear a version by the Silver Star Singers, which was recorded at the Fort Valley Folk Festival in Georgia in 1943. That one is called Children I'm Going Way in the catalog. So what can you tell us about it? Well, it's an African-American version of a traditional song that's been around since about the 17th century, makes a counting song out of items in the Bible. There are different versions, and some of them count down to one little bitty baby born in Bethlehem. Versions like that are often sung as a Christmas carol. And it's a cumulative song, so at the end of a lot of the verses, you count down to one. Some go up to Ten Commandments, and some even to Twelve Apostles. So as a counting song, it's a good way to teach kids to count and also to teach them about the Bible. Yes, and we have at least one version sung by kids. This is the Davies Hill School Chorus, also from Georgia in 1943. And we'll just hear the last verse so you hear how they count down. Go where I send you, where will you send me? I will send you twelve and twelve. Wow, they went two by two. I guess it's a really long song otherwise. Yeah, it can be really long. Bessie Jones of the Sea Island Singers had a great version where she sped up and also shortened it as she went on. So let's hear the first verse where she took her time and really sang a lot about Jesus. I turn go where I send thee. How shall I send thee, Lord? I'm going to send you one by one. A one just a little baby born by the virgin of me. Red rocks dead in the cradle. What you going to call that baby? I'm going to call him Jesus. He was born, born, Lord. He was born in Bethlehem. 
And now, let's hear the last verse, where she sang really fast and cut out most of those lines about the baby. The children go west in thee. How shall I send thee alone? I'm going to send you ten by ten. Ten to the ten to man, man, nine to the nine. Come drinking to the wine. Eight to the eight, the way that the gate. Seven to the seven, I didn't get to heaven. Six with the six, I didn't get to fate. Five with the gospel, right up. Four with the four that stood at the door. It's Three is the Hebrew, Chiron, two is the Paul, and Silo, one does a little better. Baby was born, born, Lord is born in Bethlehem. I just love that song. And like a lot of spirituals, it's popular in both black and white communities. So you can find recordings by Johnny Cash or Kenny Rogers. That's always fun. And I have another little fun secret about that song. What's that? It also exists in French, especially in Canada, and Alan Lomax recorded a French-Canadian version in Michigan in 1938. He even caught some silent footage of it being sung, and we've synced it up to the recording. In French, it's often called « Dis-moi pourquoi un », which means « Tell me what one is for ». Want to hear it? But of course. Okay, here's the last two verses. For most of the song, Exilia Bader sings the question, and then Moise, her husband, sings out the long response. But on the last verse, they sing the whole list together. That was a mouthful, and it was a little fast. Do you know what they said? Luckily, I helped translate that for James Leary's book, Folk Songs of Another America, so I listened to it a lot. The list goes like this. Twelve apostles, 11,000 virgins, who I'll explain were the companions of St. Ursula in a prominent Catholic legend, ten commandments, nine choirs of angels, eight beatitudes, seven sacraments, six urns arrived at the marriage at Cana, those are the urns of water that Jesus turned into wine, five books of Moses, four evangelists, three Hebrews, meaning the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, two testaments, and there is but one single God. Well, we have but one single guest we still want to talk to, and that's Jennifer Cutting, a folk life specialist at AFC. Most of these songs have been pretty religious, but she's brought one that's about the more social aspects of the holiday, eating, drinking, and being merry. That's right, because I am all about eating, drinking, and being merry. So then what song did you bring us? Well, it's a song that's generally known as the Wassail Song. But since there are several very different songs called that, collectors and publishers call it the Gloucestershire Wassail, since it was collected in Gloucestershire as well as other places. And why did you select this song? Well, it's special to me because a number of versions were collected by James Madison Carpenter in his collection, which I've been curating for many years here at the American Folklife Center. So you say it's a wassail song and that there are others. But what does that mean exactly? Well, wassail is from an old Anglo-Saxon toast, meaning be hail or be well. So as an activity, wassailing or wassailing means 
drinking to people's health or sometimes the health of other things like crops or trees. And this particular song drinks to the health of the farm animals and also people around the farm where it's sung. Carpenter collected this song mostly in manuscripts, which you can see on our blog, Folklife Today. But we don't have a good recording of it in the Carpenter collection, which brings us to another reason why Steve and I both love this song. So what's that? It's because we sing it every year as part of our mummer's play. Staff members of the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress have performed a mummer's play, which is our adaptation of a traditional English folk drama, each year since 2009. Jennifer adapted the earliest play from items in the Carpenter Collection, including this song. So in the week leading up to the holiday, Steve and I and several other staff members process around the library singing this song. 2018, believe it or not, will be the 10th annual AFC Mummers Play, and the 10th time we have roved the halls of the Library of Congress singing our wassail song. So you have a recording of the AFC Mummers? We sure do. Then we'd better say our thank yous. To those we listened to today, Aunt Molly Jackson... Burl Ives, Jilson Setters, Jean Ritchie, Samuel Martinez y Lavadi, Adolfo Chavez, Julian Lobato, the Silver Star Singers, the Davies Hill School Chorus, Bessie Jones, Exilia and Moise Belair, and the AFC Mummers. Also, big thanks to Stephanie Hall, Nancy Gross, and Jennifer Cutting for sharing songs, Trelawney Duncan and Mackenzie Kwok on the writing team, and of course, our engineer, John Gold. And of course, thanks to you, the listener. Have a happy holiday season. Here are the AFC Mummers with their wassail. And to his right eye, may God send our master a good Christmas pie, a good Christmas pie that we may all see. With a wassailing bowl, we'll drink to thee. Wassail, wassail, all over the town. Our toasted is white and our railing is brown. Our bowl it is made of the white maple And to her broad horn, may God send our master a good crop of corn, a good crop of corn that we may all see. With a wassailing bowl, we'll drink to thee. Wassail, wassail, all over the town. Our toast is white and our ale is brown. Our bowling is made of the white maple tree. And to her right ear, may God send our master a happy new year, a happy new year that we may all see. With a wassailing bowl, we'll drink to thee. Wassail, wassail, all over the town. Our toast it is white and our ale it is brown. Our bowl it is made of the white maple tree. In the lily white smock, who tripped to the door 
and who slipped back the lock, who tripped to the door and pulled back the pin, for to let all us jolly wassailers in. Wassail, wassail, all over the town, our toast it is white and our ale is brown. Our bowl it is made of the white maple tree, with a wassailing bowl we'll drink. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.